0: But everything I'm doing today comes back to this one moment, which is really in line with, you know, this, this big win that's going to sound counterintuitive when I share it.
1: Hey, you could be larger than life, bigger than the world, living out the hopes and dreams of every boy and every girl. What is happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode. I am your host, Larry Roberts. Today is a special episode that comes from my friends over at PodMax. And I've got a gentleman with me. He's going to light it up for us here. He is a ton of fun. Very, very smart when it comes to entrepreneurial endeavors. And he just brings a little more energy than maybe the average cat does. So let's get Pablo in here. Pablo Gonzalez, welcome.
0: What up, buddy? Happy to be here, man.
1: Man, I'm excited to have you here. You know, we were talking in the green room just before we got started. You know, we see each other in passing at the PodMax events, but we've never had the opportunity to really spend some time together and chat it up. So this is going to be awesome. I cannot wait.
0: True story. All I know so far is that I follow you obsessively on social media and that you have a strangely attractive voice that makes me feel funny, buddy. So I'm pumped. I'm pumped to have that voice aimed at me.
1: Well, that's great to hear. I appreciate that, and what I'll do is I'll slow it down to make it a little more palatable. <laughs> that's interesting. You say you follow me religiously on social media. That's crazy because I'm out there quite a bit, and you know, I noticed you're out there quite a bit as well. How does that play a role into your business
0: larry i I've been obsessed with the relationship building my whole life, right? Like I tell people that I'm the most American person in my family, and my first formative memory is. Walking into preschool in Miami, knowing that I was the only kid that didn't speak English, and having this like really just fear of not belonging, and it has shaped me forever. And to exacerbate that, I luckily connected with Jose Garrido, the one kid that spoke Spanish in my class, learned English really early at that age. And then a year later, we moved to Spain, where I enrolled in a British academy, and I walked in real cocky thinking I spoke Spanish and English. And guess what? I did not understand. The dialect from Spain or the or the British British right so like again twice in my early early formative years I was marked by this feeling of not belonging and ever since then I have been obsessed with how do I get in you know be a part of what's happening how do I make sure that people connect with me and I and, and I'm connecting them to each other and at a certain moment in my life I realized that content creation was the way to do that at scale so it's just been this ever seeking ever searching for the tools of how to make as many friends as possible and that's at the at the core of it and when i realized that content creation is the kerosene to put on top of the fire of everything that i had learned in interpersonal creations i've just been going ham at it ever since cuz this is what i want i want valuable people in my life like yourself and i want to be able to be valuable to people like you
1: well, I'm thankful that I am involved with you and I am in your life. And I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to meet you and now work directly with you. Relationship building is really at the core of everything that I do. I firmly believe that without the relationships, I've had the benefit of making over the last few years, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in now. And, you know, I got to give a shout out to the PodMax guys. Obviously, once again, they do a tremendous job of bringing like-minded individuals together so that we can have these powerful conversations and help push both of our momentum forward even quicker. So that's really awesome. It's funny that you mentioned that you, you felt alone, and that's what kind of motivates you today. Because I, I felt very similar as a child. I was a very frail birth defect put into private school to protect me from getting injured because of said birth defect correction when I had major corrective surgery. So I can relate to that emotion that you felt there. Now of course I still spoke the language but nobody wanted to really be the weird kid's friend. This guy over here he you can't touch him. He's fragile. You know, he's he's super sensitive. So it's 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 definitely shaped me and the direction that I've chosen to take as an adult now and as an entrepreneur. What other aspects of your journey do you see as a benefit? What's one or two other points that you could give us that go, you know what, this really helps drive my business forward.
0: Hey, you set that up really well. First of all, I want to echo the love for Pod Max and Eric and Josh and those guys, right? Like the, the relationships that we're building through their stage is really just unbelievable, man. Like I, I feel very blessed to be a part of this community. Larry, this, I'll be honest with you, man. This is the first time that I that I really have formulated the thought process that I'm about to share in this way out of out of fear of fear of sharing this thing and, and judgment. But the truth of the matter is that I'm glad you set it up like this because I am innately seeking relationship building because of those formative memories. But everything I'm doing today comes back to this one moment, which is really in line with you know this this big win that's going to sound counterintuitive when I share it. I grew up pretty privileged, man. I also went to private schools. I, I come from a, a well-formed family with a ton of support. I like to tell people that For the first 32 years of my life, I never had a problem that I didn't create for myself. As I aged, I went from always seeking connection, but the way I did it was being the funny guy, right? Like you see me on social media. I'm I'm part Ace Ventura, part something else, right? Like, (laughs) like that movie shaped me, and I've I've been doing it ever since. And 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 that's always been the way. And as I as I matured into my early 30s, I realized that the way that you create relationships with people once you're an adult is by adding value to other people's lives, and then at 32 or 33 my older brother got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer mm. and and that's really the first time that i ever faced a true struggle in my life that that I didn't create you know my brother was this guy that he's eight and a half years older than me so he was always my north star right like i had enough distance from him to to look at him and see what I wanted and what I didn't want as I was navigating and becoming an adult and i looked at it almost in a negative way I, I if i'm being honest i would look at him and think this is what i don't these are the things i don't want as opposed to the things that i do want in my life and as my brother went through his struggle and eventually passed two years later at his funeral 1200 people showed up wow yeah and that was this really mind blowing moment. And I have a good friend of mine, right? Like I've, I've become obsessed with the intergenerational relationships, making friends with people much older than me and people much younger than me. And my and my best friend over 50, this guy, Mark Hamilton, who I call Uncle Mark, he said this thing at a funeral one time later on that really struck me and says, in times of, of great pain come great clarity. And the moment that that hit me, when I showed up to this funeral and there was 1,200 people, it hit me that community. Right, like the support of all these people throughout the struggle at that moment was the greatest value that had ever been imparted in my life. Right. Like this inherent community that I had that to be honest, at that moment came from being part of the Catholic Church, which is something that I've grown up with my druthers for. Right. Like I grew up super Catholic, and then as I became older, I had a real big beef with it. I still have a a complicated relationship with it, but When I saw it and I thought, man, throughout my brother's illness, because his wife taught at the parish school, she was able to take a day off the day that she needed to, her job was secure. The kids that went to the parish school got put on scholarship. This outpouring of love for my parents, for my sister, for me, for my wife, for their kids was coming and was totally, totally this buoyant force that was helping us through this really, really difficult moment became to me the ultimate value add that you can give to people. And it hit me. I'm like, man, churches and organized religion are one of the oldest business models in the world. And it's community. This is what they provide, right? Like it is a framework for life or whatever, but, but the real like tangible value of what you have is this community. And as that hit me, and as I had had this epiphany of like, what I needed to provide is value for people. I thought to myself, man, this, this is what I need to devote my life to do, right? If I can figure out a way to create community, That is inherently good business, right? And then the other piece that hit me was after the funeral, I had people reach out to me for for months, right? Like just coming out of the woodwork. And everybody that reached out to me about my brother, to a T would would tell me, Your brother was a guy that made every room happier. He was a guy that brought people together. He was a guy that, that made you feel comfortable you know being in there made sure that you're having a good time and i looked at myself and i thought man those are the traits that i most admire in anybody right like that's like what i most admire in myself what i really seek to do and i didn't see that in my brother right so like what else am i missing right like what else am i missing in other people who who around me has this like inordinate value to offer that i have completely punted on that i'm not seeing because it's it's not in front of my face and i so as I put two and two together and I'm like, community is the greatest value you can offer to people. And it is so easy to miss the value in the people around you and what they offer to everybody else, because you take it for granted. How can I marry those two concepts? And I just became obsessed with seeking that, right? Like I, I became obsessed with how do I, there's this quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson that says in my walks, every man I meet is in some way, my superior and in that I can learn from them. Right? So like, Larry, you got something that that in your walks you have experimented with, that you've thought about, that you've that you've done, that I haven't thought about, right? So if I can get really, really good at figuring out what that golden nugget is that you bring to the table, which is I'm sure a bunch of golden nuggets, and I'm able to like learn that, then then I'm gonna be better off. And then at another moment, because I'm seeking this stuff, right? Because that aha moment hit me, I realized that the way to multiply that effect. Is through a stage, and this was a moment where I'm like, you know, I had spent all this time networking, and I was in the construction industry, right? Like in, in, when I was 29, I moved back to Miami to start a green building consulting company. Two years in, my biggest customer acquired me. I became director of sustainability for this like hospital builder and university. You know, like I, and at the same time, I was. Got, I got really involved in the community and I was creating all these like nonprofit groups for Habitat for Humanity and Miami Lighthouse for the Blind and stuff like that. I had developed this like really wide network and I had become a really good public speaker from being in those rooms. But at the last moment, I'm, I'm, I get absorbed by this company. You know, My first thought is like, man, I just got some money in my pocket. I have I'm making six figures working for a corporation. I got benefits all of a sudden, right? This is this is pre-affordable healthcare act. When mm-hmm. it was really hard to do this. 2 years in, I had kind of like gotten into this like pigeonhole situation in my career, right? Like these guys acquired me to just solve this problem and but not really give me a career path. So I thought I got to create my own career path. How do I become a business developer? How do I how do I bring more value to this company? And it was about a year after my brother's passing, as I'm like seeking for this stuff, when the CEO of the company got invited to speak at a panel for smart cities at the Economic Development Agency of Miami for the Spanish Chamber of Commerce. And last moment, he didn't want to go. So they sent me in his stead, right? And I'm like 34 years old. I'm feeling like I'm like lost in my career at this moment while like my social life and my influence around me is growing. And I show up to this room and I get on this panel And unbeknownst to me, I share the stage with the head of Latin America for Cisco Systems and the head of the Smart Cities Initiative for like the World Bank or the International. I forget what like International Development Fund and just like 34-year-old Pablo, right? Wow. Um, But I'm comfortable on stage at this time, right? So I just take it. I speak my truth, right? I I give my speaking points. And when I come off of this stage, I realize that there's six people in the line waiting to talk to me. And that had never really happened to me before that celebrity effect of coming off stage and I've been on stages before, right? So like I'm coming off this stage after I talked to the first one, vendor trying to get the business, second one, vendor trying to get the business, you know, like four of them were vendors trying to get the business, which it hits me. I'm like, man, these people all think I'm more important than I am. <laughs> then the the fifth person is a developer. That's like, man, you know, I've been looking for a guy like you, like the way that you speak and this. And I'm like, Oh, okay. wow, well, this has some value. And then the sixth person was a, a guy only about like five years younger than me, this guy Will Beckham, that's become one of my really good friends that was looking for mentorship and whatnot. And I'm like, man, what do I have to offer this guy? But what hits me is that the stage is this major force of validation for anybody on it right? Because I'm obsessed with relationship building and because I've been into all this, I've studied the brain. You know, I studied psychology, which now I realize I was studying marketing, but uh, you know, like I studied all this stuff just because I cared about it, right? Behavioral economics and decision-making and influence. And I knew that the brain justifies what it sees, not the other way around, right? So if you're in the audience and you see someone on stage, you automatically attribute this value to what they're doing because they're up there and I'm here, right? And then- also, simultaneously, I realized, man, guilty by association is real. Because I was on the stage with these two people of a much higher ilk than me, not only was my validation of being on stage you know, prevalent to these people, but they also assumed that I was at that level in my career, right? So at that moment, the first thing I thought was, how can I create stages for other people so that I can give them this effect and I can be guilty by association with them as well." So I immediately was like, I've got audiences, man. I've got these young professional groups that I've built. right?" So I reached out to this developer who was developing this like controversial project in South Miami Coral Gables area that is a low-density, high-income area. And he was building a high-rise right on top of the metro rail station in front of the University of Miami. And the residents of Coral Gables didn't really want the project because they're like, we don't want a high rise here. We're all, you know, like get off my lawn type of stuff. (laughs) I knew that because he's developing on top of the metro rail station, it's called transit oriented development, right? Like that is where the city is gaining their revenues to build more mass transportation in Miami, a city with a terrible infrastructure and a rapid growth rate of growth that desperately needs public transportation. So I reached out to this dude and I'm like, hey man, I want to have a panel event. Uh, for the young professionals of Miami, right? I'm going to invite my groups to talk about the future skyline and the need for transportation. And I'm going to put you on stage with a politician on the board of one of my charities that cares about this stuff and a land use attorney that I've been friends with, that I started this Habitat group with. We're just going to talk about trans-oriented development, but your project is going to be the highlight. No big deal. The guy obviously said yes, pulled it off. Maybe 15 people showed up. He didn't get business out of it, but I connected him to, to, to the politician and to the land use attorney. And I put him on my stage and a week later we were backdooring a $60 million project that before we had no shot at, right? So like, boom, that was the validation. I became a business developer. And then now what I started looking for, right? The reticular activator hit and I'm like, okay, stages is the key to creating community, to adding value, to finding somebody's value, putting it on, sharing it from one to many and making them guilty by association with people. And then as I started really seeking that, I started realizing now that now there's stages everywhere, right? Like I did the hard work of seven years of community building one-to-one and networking and getting involved in nonprofits so I could have an audience. But now I'm realizing, you know what, man? my Facebook is a stage, my Instagram is a stage, an email list is a stage, a podcast is a stage, a YouTube channel is a stage, any kind of like mass text that I can send out, any kind of introduction that I do for people, I see as a stage. You know, that realization has led to what I'm doing now about, you know, seeing seeing businesses' marketing efforts and seeing their, their relationship building efforts as You know, you can go out there and shake hands one-to-one and build as many relationships as you can, or you can create your own stage that allows you to be guilty by association with key relationships that you're trying to build in front of the clientele and the people that you're trying to serve. And then on top of that, when we layer the content piece on top of it and you're able to effectively repurpose it across all these other stages that exist, now you're showing up all the time and you've created this relationship flywheel that becomes this like no like trust acceleration method that has you out there perpetually, man. So I feel like I just spoke for like an hour. I, I, I'm a little bit uh, self-conscious about that, but I, I kind of got going on it, man. And you can tell I really care. Uh, I'll leave it up to you there. to
1: dissect. No, man, it was great, but that is a lot to unpack. I think you did go for about 15 minutes and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember what you said in the first, I don't know, 30 seconds, but I know the message, man, the message is really life revolves around relationship building and the more value you as an individual bring to the table for others, the more beneficial it is for you in the long run. And, you know, you had your epiphany. I had my epiphany. I didn't have mine. I mean, I did. I understood it when I was younger. I saw how some of it worked. But I also pulled the whole Ace Ventura thing. But for me, it was Pee Wee Herman. I'm from the 80s, okay? So I was running around doing Pee Wee Herman at the skate rink with all my pals, trying to get in with these people by being the silly, funny guy or the loud or the obnoxious guy, which I managed to do the loud and obnoxious really, really well. But getting in with the with the in crowd didn't quite work out as well as I had hoped, So this is something that I struggled with my entire life. Eventually, I got into martial arts. My confidence went through the roof. I had an instructor that took me from a boy and turned me literally into a man by just beating it into me. (laughs) You know what I mean? He was great, man. Rick Arnold, shout out. And once my confidence and my self-esteem came up to a certain level, I found out that I could actually bring something to the table. I could bring communication to the table. I could open communicative doors and bring others to the forefront as well. The more I started to do that, the more I saw things develop. But, you know, it took me years because I am an egomaniac. I tend to let my ego get in the way of everything, and that's exactly what happened in my martial arts career. And the same man that that gave me the confidence in my life – turns around and kicks me out of the karate school and demands the key to the school back. Cause I was, I was the head instructor. But of course, again, the ego got in the way and I became selfish and I became self-absorbed and it was all Larry. Larry can do this. Larry can do that. Larry can beat him. Larry can beat him. It was all in my head that I was the cat daddy and you know, it, it doesn't work that way. And although that was a humbling experience It set me on a path of destruction as well, because not too long after that, I started drinking and I drank for years and years and years and years until 2013 and almost checked out. And then I realized, wow, this is not a good situation. I went to rehab and I recognized the community that I had around me. Sure, I got sober, but guess what? I could not have done that without the support and the love and the kindness of my community. My wife, my friends, the staff at the rehab facility where I was at, I, I got on a personal level with some of those folks, still talk to them today. Then, after getting out of rehab, I, I found myself floundering a little bit because I wanted to give, I wanted to be involved in the community, but I didn't know how to get there. You know, I didn't know what steps to take. And then I stumbled on podcasting. Started my first podcast and man, everything over the last five years has been tremendous and I'm still learning every day. I in no way say that I'm the cat daddy when it comes to podcasting. I got a lot to learn, but what I did learn up to this point is how to build relationships, how to lift others up and realize lifting others up is just as rewarding or actually let me retract that. It's more rewarding than lifting yourself up. And that's something that I've tried to implement on a daily basis. And I think you and I are very, very similar in that regard. Our backgrounds are very, very similar as well. A lot of the things that you were saying, I was like, man, that, that sounds like me. you hey, know. Martial arts
0: played a huge role in my life as well, man, as, as a teenager as well. That's what
1: got me straight too. See, it, it, I love martial arts. Yes, yeah, I love it. It's, it's great. great. And I, I still love it. this I got my black belt hanging behind me right there. You know, I, I still hold on to it. I don't train much anymore, if at all, really. You know, you can tell I'm a little little heavier than I was back then when I was fighting. But, you know, hey, it's all part of the package. But again, relationship building, giving, doing everything from a position of gratitude. It's it's such a hard lesson to learn, but there's so much value there. How have you taken this attitude of giving and contributing, like planted it as a seed and watched it grow? What have you done to see some of the rewards that you get back from giving?
0: Yeah, man, listen, the the first thing was... The the first time I started really noticing that was like I said was when I started getting involved with nonprofits. Man, like I, I moved. I so I grew up in Miami. I went to University of Florida. I got this like Fortune 500 executive and training position, like straight out of career fair. That took me to Southern California, where at 25 years old, I was managing like a 15 million dollar, 120 person division of a company. And when I moved back to be, you know, and when I moved to Cali, I was like, I was like done with Miami at the time, right? I actually purposefully told the people in the room, you know, the VPs that I was being interviewed by, to say, listen, I know that I'm going to move around a lot in this position. So if you start me in Miami, this is the perfect excuse to then move me out of there. And my mom can't get mad at me. Right. So like (laughs) when I, when I moved back to Miami out of a strategic advantage, right? Like I had become this green building expert in Southern California. I knew I could come back to Miami and be the guy because nobody had that experience there. Right. So I came back to Miami and I I made this conscious decision to just like go all in on the way that I approached California and, and treat Miami with brand new eyes. And and because of that, when I got an email from my best friend saying Habitat for Humanity wants to start a young professionals group, I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to check this out. And I, and at the time I was like, Habitat for Humanity is construction. This is going to be good business development. So I kind of went in selfishly. What I realized real quickly was that that wasn't going to lead to business development, but I really enjoyed being a part of a group that is contributing to the whole of society and, and, and to helping things. And as I just kind of bought into that concept, I, by being part of this nonprofit world i was forced to go to a ton of networkers as you become you know like the head of a committee or president of the group or on the board of habitat which happened to me real quickly i started hosting the events so i started public speaking and i at some point i became a really good public speaker and i just started i just started really noticing that human beings are happiest when they're in service right so if you are if you are in this room with people that are trying to give at least as much as they're receiving, right? Like at least knowing the pain points of being from Miami and recruiting young professionals to it, I started recruiting young professionals saying, Hey man, whether you're new in town or you just hate being from here, being in this room with young professionals for, for Habitat eliminates people that don't care about anything other than themselves, right? Like at least, at least that part of it is gone, right? So like you are, you are getting into this room that, that at least passes that standard. And then what I started realizing is that the people that are involved in nonprofits are the creme de la creme of society, man, right? Like the the people, I, like I, the Jeb Bush Jr. was on the board and like all oh, this, wow. you know, all, all, all these people that, that I started getting access to. So as I started getting into the world of nonprofits and realizing that human beings are happiest when they're in service and realizing the happy people are the successful people and realizing that, the, you know, the successful people are the ones that give back. It just very selflessly, you know, very, I got in selfishly. And then it led me to being selfless, right? So at one point I'm sitting down in this, and then that's when I had the realization of, oh, I'm really good at making friends with dudes that are around my age that like sports and chicks, but I'm really suck at making friends with people older than me, women, people younger than me. So how do I do that? And it was in this meeting with like the head of like Bank United or something like that with my buddy, Oscar Lopez, who's also a commercial banker. And we're in this intimate lunch with a couple of like really like high power guys. And I'm trying to like well, I can't just talk about the last bachelor party I went on at this conversation. What do I talk to? And I'm seeing Oscar Lopez just sit down with a, a, a concerned face and be like, hey man, so how's business? You know, like what are, what are things like for you? And, and seeing the way that he approached this conversation and how that led to having the relationship with these like high power guys. I'm like, oh man, I just got to care about others. If I can start caring about others, then I can be friends with these people, right? Like it it really, it comes down to your why, right? Like at the end of the day, I make no bones about the fact that I really just want to be friends with as many people as, as possible, right? So like that was really the aha moment. And then the more I leaned into that, the better things got for me. And then it wasn't until, right? So then I had the aha moment on the stage and I just kept talking about this like stage relationship building thing and quite frankly, it wasn't until I ran into Gary V's content that I finally saw somebody that was proving at scale that giving out value for free is the way to build huge, huge businesses, right? Like he's really the first validation point because I'm at this green building conference. I'm talking to a developer. I'm trying to get the business. This is like a year after Serial comes out. So it's like when podcasts tip, and I'm like super into podcasts. I'm listening to like Freakonomics and Hardcore History and all these different things. And I'm like, hey man, so just trying to start a conversation with a guy. I'm like, yeah man, you listen to podcasts? What are you What are you listening to? And he's like, oh, this guy Gary V. And I turn on Gary V. because I'm trying to like I'm trying to become friends with this dude. And at first, I hate him, right? Because I hate the Jets. I'm a Miami Dolphins <laughs> fan. Uh, <laughs> like, but but as I'm listening to him, I'm like, wait a minute, this dude is preaching to give away all your best stuff as a long-term value play. Is the same thing that I'm like stumbling on, right? So like, you know, really, it started when that conversation with Oscar Lopez, the big, the first validation point, and then it really hit, and and then it really hit the high, you know, the high frequency mark with me with Gary V's content because I had just never had an archetype of somebody that I could follow that was really, really winning in the financial sector with this methodology, right? Like as, as guys, you and I are trained that like, nah, man, you got to be Grant Cardone, not be Gary Vee, <laughs> right? That's like, that's like, the, that's like the the common knowledge. It's like you got to be this like hardcore sales closer guy. And it wasn't until I saw him that really, really validated this approach on a grand scale and, you know, that's what led me to content. And that's that's what led me into like really going in all in on this stuff, man.
1: You know, I love that you point that out because that's the play that I like to make as well. I like to build the relationships and then look for the business down the road. And actually, the business ends up presenting itself down the road. For some people, including my wife, it's a very difficult concept to grasp in that you're giving away all your great stuff up front. How do you make money on the back end? You know, she is of the, the mindset of the Grant Cardone's and the Tony Robbins and the ABC, baby, always be closing. You know, what? coffee's for closers. I do love me some Glen Gary, Glenn Ross. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to see how that world has evolved over the years. I, I don't know what it is necessarily about Gary V that uh, really triggered me. I think it was just that he used the F word a lot. And b- believe it or not, I tend to use that word quite frequently. My wife says more than anybody she's ever met in her life, as a matter of fact. And there's currently I'm on a ban. I'm on a no F-word ban in the house right now. So cool. I gotta, I gotta dial it back. The wife has has put me on punishment. It's interesting to see what types of things connect to you and why. And you connect with so many people. What do you think is your best asset from a personal level? Why do you think that you can just get in there and mix it up with everybody?
0: Dude, I, you know, I often say that my superpower is that. I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely find something really great in everybody that I meet, right? Like I'm like that whole, that whole first trauma of not fitting in and me really, really looking for like, how can I find someone, you know, like how, how can I find something that I admire from someone like I, that, that comes really easy to me, man. That is like my, what basketball is to LeBron James, to me, being able to like somebody, that's my skill set, right? And then I layer that with the fact that I'm a really, really good communicator, right? So it makes me a bit of a hype man Mm -hmm. and people like that, dude, (laughs) you know, like at the end of the day, what we're talking about, right? You build relationships. I'm a big believer that in the two fastest ways to build a relationship is to add value to someone's life. That's number one, that falls right in with what we're talking about, right? Like if I can see what's good about you and I can go tell five friends about it, I'm automatically adding value to your life. And the other one is to share a vulnerability, right? Like if, if you and I immediately connected the moment that I knew that you had this like childhood where you're like wanting to fit in and you know, like we both shared that. So we both have these like shared experiences of like insider, outsider and whatnot, right? Like veterans connect, people from the same mm-hmm. generation connect, right? Like somebody that's lost a sibling will automatically connect with my message, right? So like the rest of it has been leaning into that man. So I think that's it, man. I think I think if you or or at least the key to me being able to connect with people, which is what your question is, is the fact that I very genuinely buy into that Ralph Waldo Emerson quote of every man I meet is in some way my superior and, and that I can learn from them, man. And it's and it's this like die hard commitment to like trying to figure out what about this person directly in front of me is special. And then the moment I find out about it. I explode and I talk about it, right? Because it's really what fills me up. And again, because I'm a content machine, it doesn't just go to the person next to me. It goes across the interwebs.
1: Well, Do you find it more difficult, especially this year with all the negativity that's out there and all of the the pressures that are on us here in the States to uh, avoid the COVID or even believe in the COVID or wear a mask or don't wear a mask or be a patriot or don't be a patriot? All of the noise that's out there, do you find it more difficult to keep your head on a swivel, stay positive, and continue maintaining and creating these relationships?
0: Okay, so those are two questions. Do I find it more difficult to stay positive as a exaggerated extrovert who draws his power <laughs> from being around people like Superman staring at the sun? Yeah, man, that's a little harder. Right. Like, like that part of it is tough, but I'm not exaggerating Larry. When I tell you that I have made more friends and created more relationships this year than I have in the rest of my life. Right. Like I think we are in the golden age of networking with COVID because now that everybody is outside of their normal, you're more open to suggestion, right? Like you and I would have had a really hard time connecting if we weren't so used to zoom calls, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like, definitely. So, so nowadays people are really willing to take that flyer on like, all right, I'll hop on a call with somebody. I got really, really lucky that I realized that the supercharger for relationship building is content and I've been doing this. So now, you know, relationship businesses that like the insurance broker, the commercial banker, the accountant, the real estate agent that is used to going to chamber of commerce events and being like, okay, well, I'm going to attend this panel. I'm going to watch it. And then I'm going to network a room is now asking themselves how can I do this? All of those people that I have been networking with for the last 10 years in the nonprofit circle are asking them the question that I've been trying to answer for the last three years. So, you know, for me, it's never, it's never been a better time, right? Like there's never been a better time to get a call with Jesse Itzler or Gary Vee or someone because all of a sudden they're just way more available, man. Yep. You know? So yes, it's harder to stay positive, man. Do I feel like a crazy person when I'm, taking care of myself and, and trying not to get other people sick and and really trying to abide by the rules. And I live in Florida and people walking around like nothing's happening. And I'm really starting to question myself. And all I want to do is walk around hugging everybody because that's my natural disposition. Yeah, man, that really messes with me, dude. But at the end of the day, because I've been leaning into this content thing and this online relationship creation, it's never been like, I've never made more friends. I've never made more influential friends. Like my network has. My network has just like taking a enormous step up this year because because I recognize that this is just a different context, right? Like building friends online isn't going anywhere. Right. Even when COVID returns, it's just, you know, it's not going to go away because it's so easy and it's so scalable. So yeah, man, once, once I'm able to like walk into a room and like do my Ace Ventura thing again, it's going to be great but this piece of it is never going to go away. So like, I'm, I'm really happy I've been able to sharpen my edge and, and, and been able to do this part. How about you, man? What it, has it been tough on you?
1: I'm in, I'm in Texas, so we don't have COVID here. And, and so that's been pretty easy. Obviously, we have COVID here, but like Florida, we don't believe that we have COVID here. Of course, I, I wear the mask and I, I, I keep my, my social distancing in place when I'm out in public. But at the same time, I have to agree with you, and I've said this on multiple podcasts, that as guilty as it makes me feel to say this has by far been the best year for podcasters and digital content creators since I've been involved in the industry, which is about five and a half years or so. I cannot believe the relationships that I've made this year. I can't believe the accessibility that people have this year, because just like you said, they're not out running around. They're not out having their meetings. They're having their meetings right here. And the quicker... You guys who we're talking to right now can get more comfortable in front of a camera and can look that camera right in the one little eye that it has and pretend that it's Pablo's head. Man, it's going to be so much easier for you. Doors are going to open and great things are going to take place. I'm in a position now where I would have never been able to be. I'm transitioning to an entrepreneur on January 5th of 21, right? So I'm a month out from being self-employed. I would have never felt confident enough to make that transition this year if it wasn't for the situation that we find ourselves in because I've been able to reach out because I've been able to meet new people and establish new relationships and actually give more. And the reason I can give more is because I have access to more people and the relationships are easier to build. You can give away your great content right out of the gate. And what's gonna happen there is you're gonna see that the level of appreciation starts to evolve, the recognition is going to evolve, and it's going to start paying off in the long run. And it is a long-term play, as you mentioned earlier. But yes, I think it's tremendous. I don't think COVID's tremendous by any means, but I think some of the fallout in the digital atmosphere that has been tremendous. And I want to thank you for being a part of it. And I'm I'm glad to hear someone else say it because I have I've been carrying that guilt around, going, man, this is the best year ever. This COVID stuff is not too bad for uh, online guys. You know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) Listen, dude, at the end of the day, this is is a black swan event, right? Like this is one of these like huge moments of transition. And I'm a really big believer that, you know, it kind of goes back to the first thing I said, right? In moments of great pain come come great clarity, right? So like COVID has been this giant pain, right? Like Google and Facebook and all these things came out of the last big pain moment that the world was in, right? Like there is a world of opportunity if you can figure out what the new normal is coming forward. And I've been saying it for a while, man. COVID, more, more than the rest of them, hasn't really changed the game as much as accelerated a bunch of trends that were already coming down the pipe, right? Like, right. look at look at the amount of personal relationships that you build and nurture online through social media in your life and the people around you. Do you think that trend is increasing or decreasing?
1: Oh, increasing. That is,
0: that is increasing. Mm-hmm. Now when people look around at their business and they think about the amount of relationships that they're building online through social media for business. And they compare that to the, what they're doing it in their personal life, right? Like that trend is going to go just, it's going to follow it, man. Like, you know, our, our personal culture is already very digital, right? So like businesses have not realized that what they're, what they're struggling through is a cultural transition right? So COVID is just accelerating this trend, right? Like the work from home thing was already starting to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, being, living in Florida, living in Texas, you're seeing more and more companies come from the Northeast and set up headquarters in these like Southern good weather towns, because as the internet becomes more available, you don't really need to be a block from wall street in order to be a stockbroker. Like, that's just the truth, right? So like all these trends are happening. Education is getting disrupted, right? Like all, all, all this stuff is already coming down the pipe, And for us, in the medium that we're in, which is at the end of the day, communications, right? Like, which at the end of the day, is, I think is the core thing that brings humanity together, right? Like, we are going through one of these inflection points in history, a la the printing press, a la the advent of radio, a la the advent of television, where, you know, before the printing press, the person that could give the sermon on a rock to 100 people was the most influential person you know. All of a sudden, when the printing press come out, it's the dude that could write the best pamphlet became the most influential person, you know, right? Like when TV got invented, the most influential people were radio people, then TV, you know, like, oh, let's just go MTV, right? Like it used to be like these like jam bands that were the most influential people in music. Then it was the best video, you know, like music video Mm -hmm. creators became the Mm -hmm. biggest bands in the world, right? Like we are just in the middle of that transition. And COVID has really, really accelerated the fact that the people that can figure out how to communicate via podcast, via YouTube, via Instagram, via Facebook, via blog, whatever it is, if you can communicate digitally, then you're going to win. And if you can figure out how to marry your personal relationships to your digital relationships, you need to figure that out immediately, man, because this is not going anywhere.
1: Well, and your last sentence just answered my next question. Do you think it's going to revert back to the way it ever was? I personally say no. I'm right there with you in saying that it's not going anywhere. I mean, just yesterday, I don't know if you saw the announcement, but Warner Brothers announced that all of their movies coming out in 2021, not in theaters, HBO Max instead. But my point there is entertainment now is transitioning directly to the home. I love it. I love the fact that I can watch the movies I want to watch on HBO Max and not have to go to the theater and stand in line and spend another 50 bucks and All of those things make it a little bit of a frustrating experience, and I I love this this experience where I have now. It's me and the wife. We got front row seats no matter where we go, no matter what we do, and it makes it so much more enjoyable for me personally. Now, maybe it's just because I'm an individual of this era. Really, I'm not. Again, I was was born in '72. You know, I've (laughs) just learned to adapt over the last few decades to bring us to where we're at today, and I feel blessed to be able to see this trend and hopefully, in the long run, take advantage of it.
0: Popcorn tastes a lot better when it doesn't cost 10 bucks, man. Right? <laughs> it's
1: delicious. <laughs> I mean, give me some Orville Redenbacher. I'll throw it in the microwave. We'll pop it up and call it a movie. I love it, man. It's great. Yeah, so yeah. tell me, I know you've, you've made some changes recently, and we're running short on time now. I want to get some of that information from you as well. I want to know, what are you doing right now? What's the latest and greatest in the world of Pablo?
0: Anyway, I I you know, I've I've been through this like rapid rate of change since I've really bought into this concept, right? Into, into the idea that relationships online are no different than relationships person to person. You just gotta contextualize it, right? So for the last three years, I've I've really been rapidly iterating through how you can create a community by leveraging the people around you that ends up leading to business. And I've cracked it, man. I've realized that if you can, as a company, or as an individual, whatever you're trying to accomplish, right? Like if you can take inventory of the people that you're trying to serve, right? And what they need, and you can have the humility to understand that whatever you have to offer is only one part of that equation. And you have the desire to fill the rest of that equation to add as much value as possible. The best place to source that is in your network right? Like it is in, if you are trying to serve a certain type of person, the best way that you can, you know, provide them everything you need is figure out everybody that you know that could possibly help them out and put them in front of them, right? So like I've taken this concept of a stage and I've applied this for businesses, right? And in the last year, I've had my biggest scale success case study of it, which is this company, JWB, that is a turnkey rental income property provider. We realize that the people that want to invest with these guys are people that you know, need to understand real estate, need to understand the local market that they're investing in. They need to understand what kind of person this works for, and they need to trust the people with their money, right? So we've essentially just created a show for them that has become their stage. And the way that we created that show is just understanding that concept and creating a weekly show where they're looking into those four pillars, right? Like the things that can serve the people that they are trying to serve. And they create a interactional, live experience a la Chamber of Commerce panel on Zoom, right? So you're, you're inviting your clientele at large. Every week, you're either talking to one of their clients that has had great success building wealth through their mechanisms, another real estate expert that can contextualize how real estate fits into a portfolio, a Jacksonville leader that can tell you that, you know, Jacksonville is going to continue to grow in the economy and some of their leadership, right? Like that teach you what I'm doing so that you understand that to do it for yourself. And as we've gone through this, we have these weekly shows that serves as this like keynote presentation that you're sharing with your ideal client, the people that you want to be guilty by association with. It also serves as that like intimate dinner that you're having with somebody that you want to grow close to because you're picking their brain, kind of like what we're doing right now, right? Like our podcasters Mm -hmm. get this intuitively, right? So like we do that, but we host it live in front of their audience, kind of like what PodMax is doing. And there's three ways of doing that, right? Like your audience sees themselves in the content first. Is it valuable to them, Right. Two, do they get a chance to be on that stage, right? Like those are the two natural ones. And three, are you saying their name, right? Like if somebody is live here, right? Like Josh is great at this podcast, right? Like, are you bringing them in? Is somebody chatting something in the comments and then you're saying, oh man, Larry just brought up a great point that what we're doing here is creating community and making friends, right? And then you get really good at repurposing that content, right, taking that one hour, taking that one hour conversation, turning that into, you know, five different, short form videos of the best lessons learned, five different Q&A videos of the best questions and answers asked, five different concepts put into quote cards, take the long form conversation, turn it into a YouTube video, take the best 10 minutes, turn it into a shorter YouTube video, take the audio, turn it into a podcast, take the concept, turn it into an email that turns into a blog, right? You create this like gravitational ball of what I call the relationship flywheel, right? Like now you are just taking everybody that you know, finding their value, putting it on your stage, offering it to your audience, and you're building these relationships at scale. And what happens is, you know, the first thing that happens is that you take what a CEO is normally trying to do, which is create as many relationships as possible. You know, like, you know, these guys are now talking to 60 to 100 of their clients every week, right? Like the, the, the founder of the company gets to do that. Before, that used to take 60 to 100 hours. Now, it takes them one hour. Right? right so the first thing that happens is that you're now you know building these relationships you're taking time doing that and you're getting your time back the next thing that happens as you're distributing this content is your existing clientele starts thinking oh man why did i you know like i did business with these guys a while back i need to, i need to re up right like i need to i need to get back into this web i forgot how good these guys are right so like it reactivates in q1 we reactivated their clientele and we saw repeat sales go up by the end of q2 we saw their sales increased by 50. Their online sales increased by 57%. Their SEO to conversion ratio increased by 87%. By the end of Q3, what we're seeing is the order value increase, right? No longer are people showing up and saying, Hey man, I think I want to get into rental income properties. Can I go see one house? They're saying, you know what? I need three of these houses for my portfolio (laughs) and they're selling bundles of homes, right? So like we've just rinsed and repeated this process into, into this relationship flywheel, this know, like, trust accelerator through, you know, the marriage of real relationships and online content that we are branding as, you know, I've been doing this all under my personal brand. And now we're launching this as a, you know, content marketing community creation agency called Be The Stage, because at the end of the day, we are teaching people that the key to successful relationship building is not to be the star of the stage, is to be the stage themselves. Right. It's God, don't try it. to be a king, be a king maker. Right. So that you're not trying to compete with kings, you're trying to get kings to come to you. So that's that's wow. what I'm up to. There's a lot to be the stage. Partner with Isar, who I think you've met. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah, I've had him on my show. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, and man. we're just going great. to Alien busters. Right? and where can people find more information about it? Be the stage dot live. Be the stage dot live. Pablo, I gotta tell you, thank you so much. For joining me it was a pleasure being connected to you and i can't wait to release this episode it's going to be a tremendous impact i am sure
0: larry i appreciate it man i listen i know the value of the stage i appreciate you sharing your stage with me dude i can't wait to have you on my stage i'm going to get you on my podcast as well man and we're going to kick it and when I'm, I'm going to get deep into your story man i can't let's wait. Let's
1: do it let's do it